you ever had a dream that someone creeps into your room at night while you're trying to sleep? Well, don't worry. It's just America's most repulsive podcast, The Pod People. I'm Mr. Hands, Matisse Van Rossum. <laughs> I'm the crack rabbit, Ben Sheets. Uh, I'm just that old lady watching from down the hall, Cleveland Mosier. Who said you could watch? No one, but I'm doing it anyway. Well, we're back for another fun-filled episode. This week we're going to be talking about Ben's pick, and Ben has picked a special film for us this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the 1965 film Repulsion, uh, written and directed by Roman Polanski. Yes, that Roman Polanski. Oh, dear. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, starring Catherine Deneuve, Ian Hendry, John Fraser, and Yvonne Furneaux. Ben, why'd you pick this one? Tell uh, us about well, Repulsion. Repulsion is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. I find it incredibly unsettling and disturbing, and uh, it's an incredible artifact of its time because I, I feel like it's much scarier than any other horror movie that came out in that generation. And uh, on top of that, it's an exploration of horror without monsters or creatures. It's horror of insanity. It's horror and, of the mind. Yeah, of madness. And I find that approach fascinating. I think Catherine Deneuve uh, gives an incredible performance in this movie. Masterclass, even. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about it because I really adore this film, and I think there's a lot to be discussed. Well, Cleveland, once again, your baby on this one. Correct. Uh, this is a first-time viewing for you. What Indeed. What were your some of your thoughts your first impressions of repulsion. I was repulsed. It was gross, nasty, scary, unsettling. I hated it. It Great is Great movie. I hated it. It's a very much a bad vibe it movie. Sucks. It's, <laughs> it and, sucks and it's amazing. And the funny thing Jesus. too is that all of the words you just used to describe it also describe the man who made it. Yeah. Can we just get that out of the way? Yeah, I yeah, think we let's should. Let's get that conversation uh, out of the way. I mean, I don't know how much of a conversation it needs to be. Obviously, fuck Roman Polanski. Yeah. Uh, but he has made some important films. And, yeah, at a certain uh, point, you gotta separate the art from the artist. I mean, I listen to black metal. We all listen yeah. to black metal. I, I have no problem separating the art from the artist. I will say, uh, on this watch of Repulsion... It did give me uh, some kind of weird vibes, just like n thinking about Roman Polanski and like the content of this movie. Yeah. In some ways, it uh, makes it more unsettling. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah, in a way that kind of like like comes outside of the framework of the movie in a way I did not like at all, at all, at all. So uh, I had one quick question. Um, I want to figure out how, like how many other Roman Polanski films I've seen. Uh, did did he make the original Chinatown or the one with Jack Nicholson in it? That is the original Chinatown. Is there not another one? No. no. I thought he did. He made one. the one and only Chinatown. Yeah. Oh, okay. He made yes. Chinatown, Rosemary's Baby, uh, The Ninth Gate, plenty of other movies. Uh, the Carnage, Pianist. The Pianist. 
you mentioned Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Repulsion is the first in what is called Polanski's Apartment Trilogy, um, sort of an unofficial trilogy. They're not like continuous uh, narrative or anything, much like John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy. So the Polanski-verse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, he made he made a series of three horror films that are basically all just about uh, somebody going insane in an apartment. Uh, and Repulsion was the first, then Rosemary's Baby, and then uh, The Tenant, which Polanski himself stars in, and I think is actually a pretty damn good movie. Uh, weird, bad vibes aside. <laughs> yeah, well, this movie's interesting, too, because it's uh, Polanski's English-language debut. It's yeah. his second film after Knife in the Water, I think. Um, but it's his first English language film and it's very British in its approach mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um Wait, it is set in England. Yeah. It is, yeah. yes. In London. The East End, I think. It's like the East End, isn't it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think so. I think it's in like Soho, um, which I think is why Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho is like inspired by Repulsion, oh, um, which, which uh, is coming out in October, I think. September, September or October. October, yeah. Uh, we will be talking about that film later in the year. It is very British. Um, in it? In it. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. It is uh, in sort of the, the Italian style of like everything is. Uh, foley and ADR'd, um, sometimes more noticeable than others. This movie gave me a lot of Italian vibes, but like, yeah. in the cinematography, it honestly it gives me a lot of like French New Wave vibes. A lot of like handheld camera, mm-hmm. a lot of like cinema verite kind of like uh, perspective, jazzy score. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's in black and white. You mentioned French New Wave because, like, it very much has kind of a documentary esque verite type of style, mm. where like the the black and white was partially used because newsreels used black and white back in the day, and it was trying to add to the realism of the feeling of the movie, which is interesting because the movie is very subjective through Carol's eyes, right? So we do get flashes and dream sequences where they are very surreal, Mm -hmm. but you have that grounded element where like the camera is handheld and you feel very much in the space. Yeah. And she's like out. It's always like when she's like out and about walking on the street and stuff and it's and like the camera is just kind of zooming along behind her and like moving around her. And there's, a, there's like a very upbeat jazzy kind of score. Cleveland, you made a Birdman joke while we were watching it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it does give those same kind of vibes. I, I like the, the perspective too. Uh, as you were saying, like it's in, entirely from carol's perspective and it does a really good job of setting that precedent right off the bat because like the opening credits are just it's just like an extreme close-up of her eye much like the ending of the original texas chainsaw massacre oh yeah yeah that's probably my favorite uh close-up eye shot in any horror movie it's the scariest uh, yeah. yeah but yeah um, but there's definitely well and chandelier inspiration also. there yeah you know? yeah well chandelier has the eye as yeah. well that's, well that's pretty heavy the, yeah because the, they actually cut open like a cow's or a pig's eye with a razor blade the yeah. credits move across the eye almost yeah in that was razor cool. sort of 
That was a great fashion. Cool I, I find that opening very intense and a great way to set the tone of the film. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, it is very mundane, mm. but it sets you off kilter. You're not used to being that close to someone for that long. Right. And also because, like, she's at her job, and when we, like, pull back from that shot, it's she's, like, zoning out while painting uh like a lady's fingernails so it's like the whole time that the credits are going like we can assume that she's just been sitting there staring listlessly off into space like while she's supposed to be doing her job just it, it, it sets the tone very well it's like there's immediately something a little bit off about this character nah she's just vibing she's just vibing she's vibing i mean at a job like that i would fucking zone out too that's a fucking bleak existence yeah go to just vibe that kind of service work yeah just mm-hmm. yeah you know this is this is a movie where carol she's just vibing it, for the whole movie the whole movie <laughs> the there's whole a movie, lot of she's just vibing a lot of just vibing a lot of the vibes are bad bad vibing bad vibing but she's just vibing she's vibing she's just being her not best self i was gonna say best self but that is not she's just vibing true. living her worst life yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, that term, I, uh, I, the, the way it gets used now in, in memes and media, very poignant, you know, because, like, it's it's often a reflex to, like, just being bombarded with, like, heavy, terrible shit all the time and just, like, needing like, to yeah, just, 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 just to completely shut your brain off, you know, and just, just be vibing, watching a, a, a some 14-second cartoon of a frog hopping on a lily pad on repeat for, like, 20 minutes, you know, just vibing, you know, just trying to, to escape from the bombardment of everything like it it's very relatable very relatable uh in the modern age uh i uh i'm about it and uh yeah i also just like the the sense of paranoia in this film that like the world is closing in on you and that like literally everyone is out to get you is uh relatable very. In, in a lot of ways yeah yes. well, and i the movie's kind of ahead of its time in you that know, way mm-hmm. with you know carol you know, walking through the street and everyone is just leering at her mm-hmm. and, you know, men seem very predatory See, in this yeah. film. That, that's one of, the, one of the things that is so wild to me about this film is if you had not told me who made this film, which you could have done, you could have just sat me down in front of it and I'd be like, I don't know who's wrote and this here, let's just watch the movie. And, and I would have I seen it. I would have come out of it, like, honest to God, being like, wow, this movie's progressive as fuck. Like, this movie emphasizes a lot of the good things about the Me Too movement. Like, it, it, it shows, like, a lot of, like, positive, like, progressive things because it gives you, like, her perspective in, like, a very honest way, especially for the time. Especially, like, um, and I think- for when this movie was made. Unfortunately, I think it could still be read that way. Yes, absolutely. You know, in a purely objective view. But there absolutely is this whole aspect of, oh, it does such a good job of depicting like predatory behavior because it was made by a predator. Yeah. Like much like the actor. um he did the 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 House of Cards and Kevin Spacey. Oh, Kevin Spacey, much yeah. like Kevin Spacey, friend friend of the pod, Kevin Spacey. No, or, not friend no. of the pod. You are not allowed on the podcast. <laughs> Big enemy of the pod, uh, Kevin. If you want to be on the pod, slide into our DMs. No, don't slide anywhere. You're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> no, big big no. Get out of here. Yeah, in a similar way, you know, like uh, it, it turns out they were great at depicting the skis ball because they were, and by skis ball I mean monster. How about it? 
Yeah. I mean, granted, this film was well before Polanski's weird pedo shit, but it does not excuse it. Well, before the opinion. accusations. Yeah. Who knows what he was fucking doing in those days? Not putting anything past anyone. Nope, we're, this is not a Roman Polanski apologist podcast. Yeah, this is not a Roman apologansky. Roman <laughs> Polanski apology. There's, there's something there. <laughs> there's some, something there. We're, we won't get Figure into it, it out. but it's there. <laughs> well, one of the things I I do really like about this film is... Polanski apology. There it is. There we go. Sure. It's not a Roman Polanski apology. It's not that. All right, sorry, I'm, uh, as you were saying, Ben. My bad. <laughs> I'm a Polanski apologist. No, no. I don't eat fish. Oh, uh, wait. A, a Pescalansky. Oh, careful. <laughs> Where are we going? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Get out of here. Let's write this shit. Yeah. Um, anyways. Uh, if it's even possible. One of the things I love in this film is how subtle it starts. Mm. It starts almost mundane in like. I would how, definitely say slow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it sets the world in a very normal seeming kind of sense. And I think that's done very intentionally so that when, you know, there's the turn when Carol is in her isolation, uh, it's all the more dramatic. It, it takes a little while to get rolling. I had forgotten how like slowly this movie starts. I, I think that, gosh, like the first horror stuff is probably like 40 minutes into the movie almost really it does some things to establish an unsettling tone before that um but yeah a lot of it is very mundane like carol just going about her life we get introduced to her sister who she lives with her sister's sleazy boyfriend uh the sleazy guy who is obsessed with her a lot of sleaze a lot of sleaze lady down the hall who's always just watching you get hints that something might be awry you know in you know how childish her conversations with the the suitor is yeah and you know her conversations with her sister but you don't really sense that something is quite up no like she's she's definitely off she's like very she's she's very kind of cold in her interactions with people like she's very introverted enclosed within her shell but you don't really see until much later like how deep that psychic scarring is um one thing i think is interesting is like i i always wonder when i watch this movie like what made carol this way because there's never anything that explains that. Well, I'm not saying I, that I, I need it. Have, oh, I have thoughts on that. I think it's really cool that the movie doesn't say it, but I'd have to spoil the end. We can save that then. Then let's, yeah. yeah. But I, I, do, I do have some points on that. I have some things that are, they were theories while I was watching it, and they were not entirely ruled out. But it does involve the like the last shot of the movie, so I will. Uh, yeah, yes. okay, yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'll mm. hold off on that yeah. as well. Um, yeah, well, I think they do a really good job, kind of escalating <laughs> that insanity. You know, once Carol's sister and the boyfriend leave to go to Rome, she's left alone mm-hmm. with no one else, and that really takes a toll on her. 
very visibly. There's obviously a part of her that wants isolation because she doesn't want to be around anybody. But at the same time, like her isolation, like makes her go even crazier. Like she doesn't want any of these people near her. She is repulsed by them. But at the same time, like when she is in isolation, she constantly feels like that that isolation is under threat. Like some somebody is trying to get in. Somebody's trying to get at her. Uh, the walls are trying to grab her. Uh, hands come out of the walls. You know? I love how throughout that section of the movie, every time she is in her bedroom and looks up at the ceiling, it's closer and closer in. Yes! The walls are really coming in on her. And- the... The adjustment of the set to, like, play with space in this movie is awesome. How, like, the rooms and the apartment are, like, constantly changing size. At one point later, uh, after, uh, it's kind of a spoiler, whatever, after she's uh, killed the landlord and she goes back into the living room and the living room is just huge. I love that. And like you said, how she's in bed and the ceiling, like, gets closer. And, like, when she goes going down the hall towards the bathroom and the walls, like, get closer. And yeah. then, like, hands come out and grab her. Well, yeah, exactly. And you were mentioning earlier how she kind of longs for that isolation. And I think part of it is, like, we see her when the sister and the boyfriend are there. And she can hear them fucking through the walls. And, you know, obviously she's disturbed by it, you know, especially with the male presence of it. Because she is particularly repulsed by men and, you know, male advances. Which is sad, too, because she spends a portion of her time, you know, at her work or a good portion of her time in her life. Not necessarily in the film, but we we get the vibe. Like a, a majority of her time is spent at the nail salon, you know, where she is protected by women yeah like she is she's overseen by women uh her job involves like helping women and and they seem to have all like sort of developed a um a network around her just a safety Mm. net as it were i think the only time she smiles at all in this movie is the scene where she's talking with her coworker? Her coworkers telling her about the the hilarious Charlie Chaplin movie she went to see yeah and i find that scene very (laughs) revealing because it's like Yes, cinema has a distance, so it's not like she, you know, she doesn't feel the reality of men. And, you know, she's conversating and laughing with, yeah. uh, you know, her female co-worker. It's probably the you know, only so, time in the movie where she, where it actually seems like she's comfortable. Yeah, and then it turns on a dime when she mentions, the co-worker mentions her boyfriend. Yeah. That's just, you know, another example of, like, how intensely you know scared and fearful Mm -hmm. and paranoid she is of men yeah it doesn't uh it doesn't help that that colin is like constantly hounding her and like i think his buddies are hounding him to hound her to hound her yeah Yeah. this is a fucked up system (laughs) well what i love about the 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 buddies kind of hounding him is you could still read that as subjective through Carol's eyes, mm-hmm. you know, just envisioning what he's going back to and doing when she's not yeah. around. Yeah, she's imagining him at the pub with his mates, you know, That's doing the, the, the locker room talk. 
Yeah, man, all, all of the characters in this movie are uh, so unlikable. There, there's not a single nice person to, to glom on to. Like, I think even Carol is uh, is kind of distant from the audience, too, because she's just, like, so inward-facing that, like, it's even hard to relate with her to a certain degree, which I think is intentional, and I don't mind it. Definitely. Yeah, and I think what makes it so powerful is you empathize with her, even mm. if you don't necessarily like her. Yeah. Um, she is an empathetic character, and a lot of the, not to spoil too much, uh, but a lot of the kills in this movie come from men making absurd advances oh yeah her. absolutely absolutely i think that both the the people that she kills in this movie uh are absolutely deserving of it yep. uh, i mean the landlord just straight up tries to rape her but even even colin like he comes to her door and knocks on the door and knows that she's in there and he and she doesn't answer so he breaks the door down. Yeah. And then once he's in, it's like he doesn't he doesn't like force himself on her or anything. But he might as like, well. He's already broken her door down. Yeah, now. he's fucking broken her door and he's like he's like, Well, I'm I'm sorry, I just had to see you and you you weren't answering and so I, I just I, I needed to get in. And it's like he's not being physically aggressive, but like Jesus Christ, dude. But he is though. But like Jesus Christ, he's fucking kicked down her door because she wouldn't unlock it when you knocked on it and he yeah. like goes, Psycho behavior. goes out to the lady in the the hallway to make sure she's going inside and not watching what yeah, happens right he's a fucking piece of shit yep. uh and she clubs him to death with a candlestick in the hallway yeah. uh i love her ineptitude at covering up her crimes <laughs> She has such a gleeful look on her face while he's uh, she's bashing his head in with the candlestick. It's cathartic. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, well, that's what you do, I guess. Like, dude just tried to just broke into your apartment. Yeah, thank God. I don't have to deal with this fucker anymore. Yeah. I, th I think there's a lot of uh, of people, a lot of women in particular, who wish that they could just club some man to death. And men, yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there's universality to that feeling, you know. For sure, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, there's definitely something to that. Just being hounded after, mm. you know, so much that it, that it gets it gets tiresome, exhausting. And when you're already, like, not in a productive or healthy mental state to begin with, like, good luck. You know, like, uh, what a nightmare. To be so vulnerable and, you know, for, for anyone, everyone around you to, to be taking advantage of you is really unfortunate. And, and it might it might make her one of the most relatable and sympathetic killers I've ever seen. Possibly ever. I, 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 off the top of my head, I, I can't, well, yeah, I can't I mean, think of more. Times... Maybe, maybe Thanos, <laughs> you know, for sympathetic villains, but uh, it's, it's pretty close. It's pretty, it's pretty close to Thanos. Oh, God, I, mean, I was vomiting saying <laughs> Both times she kills, it's strictly in self-defense. So in, in that regard, it's like you, you feel bad for her. Uh, but like I said, she does a really fucking bad job of covering up uh, uh, her, her, her murders. Yeah. Which, which makes it great because like so often the, the crazy killer is very capable. Yeah. 
in, in these sorts of movies. Like the crazy camp killer, you know, is like is 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 also a ninja, you know, like is also like capable of like incredible stealth behavior. A master and, engineer. Yeah, exactly. Designing incredible traps, etc. etc. Well, like, you know, I think I think uh, it's, and survivalist all, all these things. Even even in crimes of passion, like even if you're not, you know, uh, a survivalist or whatever, like there's I think there's still always an urgency to like cover up the crime because you don't want to be caught. You don't want to go to jail. Like, holy shit, I just snapped and killed somebody. I gotta I gotta clean everything up. I gotta hide the body. Not Carol, though. After she kills Colin, she just drags him down the hall and puts him in the bathtub <laughs> full yeah. of water and just leaves him there and doesn't try to fix the broken door. She just takes a two-by-four and uh, nails it across the bottom of the door. <laughs> And later, when she kills the landlord, he's on the couch. She just flips the couch over so it's on top of him and his feet are sticking out. He's hidden. Uh, not really. She just doesn't have to look at him anymore. And I think that's really what it is. It's, she's like, she's not concerned with covering up the the evidence of her crime. She just doesn't want to look at what she's done. done. Doesn't want to look at the men. Yeah, doesn't want to look at the men and doesn't want to look at the the violence that that she has done uh, in response to violence in turn. And, you know, that just makes her go even crazier because at a certain point she's just got multiple dead bodies just moldering in her apartment. It's good to do a molder. It is good to do a molder. And that's that stuff is not kind like of, X-Files, but uh-oh. you know what I mean? Yeah, not to molder, not molder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that stuff is kind of foreshadowed too by the rabbit, the rabbit carcass. Oh yeah, let's talk about the rabbit. The rabbit is such a great set piece. Uh, Fundamental, yeah, yeah, very, uh, very representative of uh, a lot of things. But uh, her, her sort of decaying mental state, but. Her at the beginning, she rejects Colin's advance. She says, "No, I'm having dinner with my sister. She's cooking rabbit." And uh, you know, she she goes back to their apartment, and her sister starts preparing the rabbit. And then her boyfriend comes in and says, "Ah, I'm taking you out to dinner. You can cook the rabbit later." And so once again, a man invades what is supposed to be like a safe space for Carol and takes her sister away from her. Another comfort, some semi comforting female presence. And then, uh, her sister and the boyfriend go off on holiday to mm, Italy. But, but we're getting a little head though. Cause not only does she take the sister, she also takes, he also takes the food. Cause the sister was going to support her and cook the food. Was going to make for dinner, the dinner for her. Yeah. yeah. Being the rabbit. So like, she's now left with like no food other than like a loaf of bread. And like some beans or whatever in the house, and like she's she can't cook. Like I, I don't I don't think I think that's that's pretty clear. Yeah. Like she's not really up for that. So what the hell is she gonna do? It's a sad shame. And then on the way out, they stop at the elevator, and I love this sequence because at the time, I was less privy to just how gone she was, right? So I was viewing this through a very different lens when he suggests to the sister, "Hey, have you thought about having her see a doctor?" Right. At this point, she hasn't done enough from our perspective. We haven't seen her do enough to really justify that. She's just been vibing at this point in the movie. It's fairly early on. Mm -hmm. Um, She's been vibing and we know that she's maybe not interested in this guy, you know, but also like from the framing of the movie, like a lot of other films of the era, they show timid girls like that is playing hard to get. 
which is fucked up. But that that's the reality of the era. Like, yeah. like when you're when you're looking at like these films, I was kind of under the impression they were doing that. So I wasn't totally there on that front. So when he said that, I had a gut reaction being, you know, being like, no, like, like what? Going to send her off to a doctor. But then I thought about it some more. And considering how scandalous therapy was at the time, he was absolutely doing the right thing there. I mean, of course, like with, with full context, like knowing like how out of sorts she is. Like, yeah, she absolutely. Yeah. She, she 1000% yeah, needs yeah. to see a doctor. But like without that perspective, it feels invasive. Yeah, you know, uh, and and uh, yeah, that, well, was, that, and was also, really, that was a cool paradigm shift. Also, it it just feels like he's trying to get rid of her. Too, yes, yeah, you know, because which might also she's, be because be she's reality. living with the sister, and they're obviously like she and him are obviously having sort of like a, a territorial struggle. He keeps putting his. Uh, like his razor and his comb and his toothbrush, like in her glass in the bathroom and, you know, just like an invasion of privacy. And she keeps taking it out and putting it on, on the shelf and he keeps putting it back. And eventually she just throws it away. And then her sister's like, why did you throw his stuff away? He's, he's pissed about that. It's like, cause he keeps fucking putting it in my glass and I keep moving it. Like, goddamn, at a certain point, take the fucking hint, right? So it when he says, you know, maybe she should see a doctor, it really feels like he's trying to, like, get rid of her mm-hmm, so he can mm-hmm. have the sister all to himself. Which is particularly screwy because he's married. He's having an affair. Yeah. Yeah. He's married. Which is wild that he's able to go off on, like, a week-long vacation with his mistress and his wife doesn't. Well, I guess his wife does know because yeah. she calls up later. She finds out yeah. down the road. But wild, yeah. Believable? Very. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, the wife does call the the home phone. And yells at Carol because yeah. she thinks she is the, the adulterer. And mm-hmm. uh, Carol is obviously so is upset great. and disturbed by that that she cuts the phone line and rips yes. the phone out. With his razor, with mm-hmm. his straight razor. Uh, which she then later uses to kill the landlord. Mm. Death by a thousand cuts. Just kind of <laughs> scratches, scratches him with it until he dies. Yeah. I want to go back to the rabbit really quick because yeah, I yeah, think it's such a great prop. I think it it's really great in how it shows the progression of time as it rots away and becomes more and more disgusting and flies are flying around it and uh i mean it is it is her it is the the representation of her she is a scared little rabbit that is just decaying her mental faculties but it also very much looks like a fetus you know and i i mentioned this in our conversation before but like you know the rabbit in this movie walked so the eraser head baby could run like there's a clear lineage from one to the other i love that so much i i just love that like uh just to say it again right like the 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 rabbit this movie walks so the eraser head baby can run it's great like that is it's so true yeah so true yeah no i i love that i uh i do 
Well, at uh, one point she cuts its head off and is carrying it around in her purse. Like that's how the scene you know, with for her, luck. with that yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh it's a rabbit's head is luck is way luckier than its feet. That's true. Um, way more rabbit. Way more rabbit. <laughs> but uh that that's how the scene where she's like talking and laughing with her coworker ends as her coworker looks in her purse and there's just a a, de- a skinned rabbit head yeah and like at that point it's already like fairly desiccated so it's just like a weird piece of meat with hair on it and you can see the teeth you can see its teeth yeah chompy rabbit teeth um it's kind of it's like it's sad too because it's like we get that little scene that's like we see a brief little bit of happiness from carol and then look in her purse, and she's carrying around a yeah, fucking yeah. rabbit. Joel, like, Joel's you back yeah, into it's reality. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, horrifying and, and very pitiable, too. Yeah. Like, it, it's rough. And I think the, the, the biggest bummer of all is that the friend is just too fucking polite and British to, like, do anything about it either, you know? Like, she's just, like, mortified by it, but, yeah, but says nothing, does nothing. As, and she wouldn't. That's the, the harsh reality of it, I too. Mean, really, like, it's very believable in that sense. Who would, you know? <laughs> right, who would want to? To say anything Who, what like what are you gonna say it's one thing if it's like your family or like a really mm-hmm. close friend well, but even like, still even family because like that's that's how she gets in the scenario to begin with right like she's a problem that no one wants to solve yeah like mm-hmm. uh no one's gonna solve it for her like people want her to just like support herself her sister clearly does she's tired of of, of supporting her as well and so she she enters a level of denial you know about her sister's state because like clearly her sister has been like this for a long time yeah right and like clearly she's just been so exhausted by it that she just sort of like you know gives up for a weekend yeah and just says look i like she knows she needs the break which she does the sister is like a valid in trying to get a get a break and get an escape you know how often is it that your your rich boyfriend is going to take you on a trip to fucking pisa you know and or you know wherever else and you know you're you're not going to get that out the fuck, the the fuck tour of Italy is what they call it. it yeah, it is that, isn't the, it? The leaning yeah. tower yeah. of penis. Someone's leaning on someone's yeah. tower, if uh, you, you get the drift. Um, never understood the leaning tower myself. It's a... Uh, it's a tower. It leans a little bit. You ever see? You ever see that photo of the people, like like all the the, the people, like uh, the tourists <laughs> trying, trying to, to prop it up? It up. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like it's like uh, like fifteen people in one shot, like all doing the same pose, getting a photo, holding up the leaning tower. It's it's sad. You ever uh, gone to uh, Olive Garden and ordered the tour of Italy appetizer platter for fifteen dollars? It's like the fuck tour of Italy. That's what they went on. <laughs> <laughs> Are are you saying they were at Olive Garden the whole time? Maybe. Oh, wow. Well, no, I'm just saying that it's I'm just saying that's the same principle, except one is inherently more sexual. The Olive Garden one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the appetizer platter is more sexual mm, than, to, fu- than to fucking die for. Yeah. Uh, what is on that? What the, what the fuck is a tour of appetizer? We digress. Yeah, no, we digress. Yeah, I've been doing Olive Garden in like six years, but it's like uh, like mozzarella sticks. I think like fried raviolis. Uh, <laughs> this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I Olive Garden. <laughs> what a good show. This episode is sponsored yeah. by the Fuck Tour of Italy. <laughs> there you go. Let's get it out now. The Fuck uh, Tour of Italy. Uh, got some fried raviolis, the leading tower, and uh, uh, abandon abandon your uh, um, your mentally deficient uh, a sibling in, in a house. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I one thing that I really love about the use of the rabbit and a lot of other elements is 
this movie has a heavy use of metaphor mm. in showing the kind of degradation of Carol's psyche. Um, you know, we see her look out the window early in the film and watch the nuns play handball or something mm. way out there. Is that does that theme mean anything or is it a nun starter? Oh no. I, I mean, it does mean something. It's like the loss of innocence. She doesn't see them later. Oh, that's true. And she is kind of living like a nun. <laughs> and yeah. also, you know, like, there's, a, it's, that, there's a purity yeah. to her. And a lack of men. And also, uh, like, they, they ring the bell at the nunnery, and they do it in the middle of the night, and when the bell rings in the middle of the night is, like, when she has... The visitation the, from the Three Ghosts of Christmas. Uh, well... Oh, God. The three... <laughs> the three rapists of Christmas. No! It's just, it's just one rapist. No! But it's, it's probably a ghost. No, don't ruin Christmas the rapist Carol! Don't do that! Past, present, I regret everything! I regret everything! No! You, you no. did it! Not yeah. my Christmas you Carol! I'm sorry! I undo it! This. I undo it, please. Did you know? I repent. That the the nightmare rapist was the guy that she passes on the street at the oh, beginning no. of the film. I didn't Whoa, know like that. that older guy that's sitting on the street. Oh, interesting. No, I didn't notice that. I was going to ask if he was the guy from their family photo that we keep seeing, and I don't know if that's the case. Um, well, okay, now I guess we are. Yeah, yeah, right, we're far right. enough in. Yeah. We can we can um, talk about. Uh, yeah, I, it, it might might not hurt. Also, just put it private because like like a lot of the things we've already discussed with this film. Like, I really enjoyed finding out as we went. Like, I don't know if you want to just want to like tack this at the beginning somewhere or whatever. Like while editing, because like it, I mean, it is it yeah. is really good for that. Like this like not knowing out, this movie came out in nineteen sixty. When it came out doesn't matter. There's a lot I'm of not, movies out there. I'm not but like about like spoilers. the the date date is isn't doesn't affect spoilers. But anyway, I don't subscribe to that. Point is, with the family photo, I thought it was the dad. That's what I was wondering, but I don't, I didn't, I couldn't tell for sure. I, I, when, when the, we get that zoom in on the family photo and it's in shadow, I was expecting like a person to move to the side or the curtains to blow a little bit and for us to see that the other man, the shadow man is her father, like in the family photo or something. Like I was, I was expecting that like, and for it to be like the source of her trauma. And I will say, I think it is better that that didn't happen. Yeah, I think I think it is it is much more effective that that is not the case Um, and that what's cool about the man on the street is it doesn't necessarily rule that out either because she could just be seeing that everywhere. Yeah, it's just some projections. Yeah. 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 Um, You know, this already is not a reliable narrator, so uh, it still applies. But, yeah, no, as the camera zooming in, I, I definitely heard like the. Ba, da, 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 like shining music like, yeah. it's very it's very similar to the yeah. shot yeah it the... is it zooms in onto her her face as a child and goes into her eye mm-hmm. and the film starts with the shot of her of her as an adult on her eye yes so it, it, it has come full circle i'm doing a big circular motion with my hands the shape of an eye mm-hmm. yeah and i i think the use of that picture is honestly kind of simple in the film in that like it's just kind of supposed to show that Carol's been like this for a long time. Yeah. She's know? she's the only one 
not like with the rest of the family in the picture. Yeah. Like everyone else, like the parents and her sister are like in the foreground and they're all smiling and looking at the camera and she's back behind them looking off into the distance. With a, like yeah. disturbed thousand islands. Oh no. Yo, it's oh, in no. the thousand island stand again. <laughs> oh my god. With the disturbed thousand yard stare. The disturbed thousand island stare. Come town come town has forever <laughs> I know forever ruined the term thousand yard stare. Oh is that what that, that yeah. slip comes It'll, from? Yeah. It's a good bet. It's it's a, a good it bet. was a Freudian slip that Stav did in one episode where he was trying to say thousand yards stairs, thousand island stairs. That's really funny. It is, yeah, it's good. I haven't seen too much or heard too much of that show. That's that's pretty it's good. Great. Um, um, how about it? The but yeah, they use. <laughs> but <laughs> God damn it! But yeah, they oh. use metaphor a lot in this movie. Whether it's the nuns or the rabbit, or you have the potatoes that sprout. great way to show passage of time really subtly but most importantly the cracks in the wall Ooh, yeah i love that the cracks work really well in that kind of it shows the degradation of her psyche in a very physical sense and i love they're very abrupt yeah It's, it's not even like that they are sort of expanding over time it's like at crucial moments like a cra- uh, a fracture will just like appear in the wall something will break and it's like a large sort of step down for her for her you know her psyche i'll say the first one's the coolest because the first one you you were not expecting it or else i certainly fucking wasn't yeah. um and it's like the corner and the whole wall just crack, like pulls up, and there's meat in there. Yeah, all there's the meat are in them crashy on the inside. Yeah, what's up with that? That, that kind of surreal stuff is, is amazing. Like it, one of my few complaints in this movie is that I wish there was more, more of that. Right, because the first one shows it in full, and it's so cool and horrifying, and it. It kind of peaks. And like, like, like how are, are you going to get, like... How those you gonna... are all the best moments in the movie for me, too. Like, the the walls closing in with the hands oh, reaching so out. So good, yeah. And, yeah. like, and like the, the one point where she, like, puts her hand on the wall and it, like creates an, an imprint oh, of her so hand like it's, like it's yeah. flesh it's so gross um, it's obviously just like clay or something but like yeah mm-hmm. that that stuff is fantastic and I want more of that in this movie I want more of it and I want it sooner if I'm being frank yeah well one thing that I love about the film's approach to a lot of that stuff is a lot of that the cracks or turning the door with the mirror and the dude appearing behind her. Mm-hmm. They work very much as jump scares, early forms of jump scares, but they don't overstay their welcome. Right. You know, the, the, they hit that jump and they just move on. I think you're right at the beginning. Like, early on, they're subtle enough, but I, I almost wish by the end that, like, the how, the whole apartment was just, like, a fleshy, eldritch nightmare, you know? like I didn't want a lot more. I didn't need the whole house to become meat, but, like, if, if there was just house, a little... Meat, meat house, meat <laughs> yeah. house, meat house. <laughs> I mean, that would have been amazing. And uh, Silent Hill certainly has a lot to thank for this movie, both um, the originals and also, like, P.T., 
as mm-hmm. well, like Pete, the like the player trailer for for Silent Hills, the game that never came out by Hideo Kojima. There's like one to one influence at times. Yeah, I mean this I, this movie in in a lot of ways really like created the the lexicon for uh, like somebody losing their mind in a house or like a spooky house. Yeah, it really did build uh, that language, yeah, didn't it, it? In in yeah, many many ways. Like there are so many films uh, and video games and everything that are just like. You, you can trace the line, even if it's not directly influenced by repulsion, you can trace the line to how they got mm-hmm. there, you know. But in uh, some cases, you can never come back. They really cross the lexicon on that one. See, yes, what I did there I, is I, I took two different turns yep. of phrase. Yeah, okay, you get it. So, I, uh, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I, I do love. You the could meat. say you could say that it uh, creates a rubricon. <laughs> Whoa! Oh shit! <laughs> nice. There was such a, a series of events to to get to that. It was a real oh, rubric. Fuck. Rubric Goldberg. <laughs> uh, a rubrics cube. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. All right. Before we lose all of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, this has gone on long enough. <laughs> I think. I think. You make a fair point about the surrealism. I don't mind that it's kind of subdued even to the end. Sure, because um, it's it's a tool. It's it's not the the builder. It's fine. It's dumb fine metaphor, without. You know what I mean? It's fine without, but it doesn't mean I wouldn't like more of it. Sure, you know. I think we I all think, want a meat house. It's, I, I understand. Yeah, the, it's, uh, it's fair. But. The nightmares, for example, I love how the sound is cut out mm, yeah. of all of them, and it's just like a. The ticking of, of the clock, yeah, or the, the clock. or the ringing of the bell across the street, yeah, and it yeah. makes them feel so much more horrifying and visceral. I I actually noticed that for a lot of the movie, not the entire thing, but for a lot of the movie, the score only happens outside of the apartment. By the end, it kind of starts to bleed in, but um, for a lot of the early stuff, it's like. There's no score in the apartment. It's just ambience and silence. And then when she goes out into the streets, jazzy and drums and, you know, saxophone and uh, trumpet and shit. And then goes back to the house. It's just fucking quiet. And by the end, there's there's some some score in the house. But I, I like that. It makes the makes the outside the world is coming in. Yes. Yes, exactly. The 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 noise and the the action of of without is coming within yeah and the score is so frenetic mm-hmm. that like like the main theme is and it sounds almost like machine gun fire of someone just hitting a drum really fast and yep. playing the same note over and over again and uh it just really sets you off kilter and it it works especially well when that comes into the apartment because it adds such an intensity to the scenes yeah, I think it especially plays in the apartment during the kill scenes, right? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. When somebody from outside has come in, like the landlord or or Colin. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I don't know if I immediately drew that connection. We what do you about think about Colin? Carol's ending, her fate at the end? Hot bummer. She's still alive. Yeah, but she's so maybe she can just get the help she needs. Could be. Because um, here's the thing. Both those men, in the apartment. The door's been broken down. Yeah, but Cheap. also... But also considering the time. Yeah, also the 60s. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, like, it's not the Victorian era, but it's not great. Like, and Carol doesn't seem like one 
that would be able to explain what happened particularly or well. Or afford to explain what happened. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other part. And, and I think that, like, at that point, like, the, the sister literally comes home and finds her under the bed, just, like, lying there. Basically catatonic. Like, I... I the most catatonic she's been, and she's been catatonic from the beginning. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get the, the feeling by the end of the movie that, like, there's really a way back from this for Carol. Like, she is... She'll probably be committed to a, a mental institution for the rest of her life because, like, I think that I think that her her psyche has broken by the end. Like, she just crawls under the bed and just lays there, deathlike. Pretty bleak. Not a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like there there's much hope for her. I I do I do like that it is not expressly said though. Yeah. Still, because like there is a sliver. I still I still think, um, and I and I still I remain hopeful for the character as well. You know? But they did. She did kill the landlord, so that means her sister doesn't have to pay rent. That's how it works. That actually. is the rule. That's when the you rules. kill the landlord, you become the landlord. Yeah, actually. if you kill the landlord, that's, that's, the your, that's your house now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Legally binding. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. You have to take care of it. It's your responsibility. Man, and that's kind of the sad thing, too, is that, like, before her sister went off, she left the rent money, like, on the table. Like, Carol could have avoided the landlord's intrusion if she had just gone and dropped off the rent. Well, but see, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, the sister, like, prepared Carol in the way you would prepare someone who is, like, stable and good. Yeah. You know? But mm-hmm. she's not. Right. So, right. Yeah. you know, like, that's not good enough. Like... I'm not victim-blaming by any means. Um, uh, but... Yeah. It, it, like that is what prompts the landlord to come into the apartment as he's yeah. after the rent because the rent's late, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's something that could have been avoided, you know. It just yeah. it's like uh, yeah, you can't you can't just tell like a like a four year old there's dinner in the fridge and then leave. Make yourself some beans, kid. Yep, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, bean dad over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bean Dad 2.0. Yeah. I don't even have any kids. Yeah. Doesn't mean I can't be Bean Dad. <laughs> We're all Bean Dad inside. It's an interesting life. Oh, all right. So, uh, <laughs> anywho, uh, with the landlord uh, killing him, the sister leaving. Yeah, she leaves the money. She does everything that she could do that you would do for. Um, but also, like, why doesn't the sister just drop the money off on the way out? Like, why does she leave it for Carol to do? You know, it's like, hey, just go. You're you're on your way out of town. Just go drop off the money on the way, so you shouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah, may, maybe the landlord doesn't live nearby, and he comes by to collect occasionally or something. You know, like there's, you know, who knows what their customs yeah. are? These strange British people. We don't know. Fucking freaks. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the 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 landlord's death scene. It feels particularly gruesome. Like, you get that first cut where it's like a deep cut, so you don't get blood right away. It sort of seeps out, but as she continues to cut, it gets really bloody really fast. Yeah, she cuts him a lot. Um, I I almost wish we would have seen more of it. I I wanted buckets of blood, but once again, it's fine without it. No, no, that's not the point of the movie. Uh, I know it's not the point of the movie. Uh, it is. I do think it's like when she's got the the straight razor behind her back. It's like you expect 
You expect her to just do like one slash and like get him across the throat or something. But uh, it really is, like I said earlier, like death by a thousand cuts. She just cuts him up a bunch, mm-hmm. just a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. And then flips the couch over so she doesn't have to look at him. <laughs> yeah, I thought of maybe a better way of phrasing it. Like, uh, yeah, having like buckets of blood everywhere, like it would have worked. Or like having the, the, the house become a meat house by the end. Like it could have worked, but it, it would have almost distracted like from her presence because like they're tools to show us like her devolving psyche it's not like jacob's ladder you know like it's not like a venture into the mind it it's it's an exploration of it and so if we were to go that route it would it would feel almost like building a birdhouse with a nail with like a pneumatic nail gun like you're overdoing it like like a regular hammer is fine it's a birdhouse you know yeah, like, but that doesn't mean it's not fun to use a nail gun it is and yeah. I, and there are a lot of movies out there that try to build a birdhouse with a nail gun and they're great for sure but but yeah it's here, not it's I, not it, necessary but that doesn't mean it's not fun yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. you didn't want it personally like I, I respect it i respect it all right well uh, any other points no, I think we're good to rate. If All right, then. Yeah, why well, don't you start? Since sure. This is your pick. Yeah, well, I said it at the top of the show, but I'll say it again. This is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. You know, I think one of the scariest forms of horror is horror of the mind and horror of madness because it is grounded very much in reality and is very much of this earth and very uh, relatable for too to many people. Yeah. This film is incredibly disturbing. I think it's one of the all-time greats of uh, building tension and ramping up uh, surreal horror, especially in an era where there was really not much of that happening before this. Um, Catherine Deneuve has always been one of my all-time film crushes, and uh, she is particularly horrifying in this. It's a case where... You have a crazed killer, um, but, you know, this is one of the first instances where it's a woman that's the killer. And it not only that is it's a woman who is very empathetic and relatable and she kills in um, self-defense. Yeah. And and, and, uh, and, and and you're a man and you can relate. Yeah. Incredible. Um, It makes it all the more disturbing that, uh, you know, she is empathetic, though. You know, like, compared to, like, uh, Norman Bates, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I think this is a perfect film. I This is an easy five out of five for me. What about you, Cleveland? Um, So, it's real close. I do have some stipulations, uh, considering I know... It is important to separate art from artist, but there are times where, as a person made of meat, it can be a little hard to do that. Um, I think, like, on paper it is. I think it's really important to do that. But at a certain point, like, it's just – I can't watch the Cosby show anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can't the, sit down and do that, when, like, and nor should I be expected to. When the artist's shitty politics or shitty actions seep into the art, it becomes a little bit harder yeah. to separate. And, like, like, totally fine if you do. Like, I don't I don't fault anyone for it. Like, like if, if you can sit down and watch the Cosby show and still get joy out of it, I'm not going to fault you for it. Weird, but, you know, I'm not going to fault you for it. But, like, um, personally, I, I can't. I can't sit down and do that. With this movie, I did have a bit of that problem considering, like, the director. The subject matter around our heroine, geez, I mean, that shows how effective this movie is, I think, largely. I, I refer to it as a heroine. But, uh, like, uh, around around our protagonist, antagonist, 
anti whatever around this character. It's it's really hard. I, I don't know if I can watch this one again. Um, it was also extremely difficult for me to watch by design, as per usual. Uh, you know, very standard fair thanks. I hate it. Much like Raw, much like many of these other, uh, these other films we watch on this podcast, where I don't see myself watching this film again in a very for a very long time. Not really something to sit down on a Friday night and just be like, hey, let's watch Repulsion. You know, uh, it sounds great. But depends on who you are. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so it's it's going to be a four point five for me, but. Uh, it is it is a very 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 strong four point five. Yeah, I do I do still highly recommend this movie. Uh, aside from those things, and and it it, it is fascinating. It, it it is a fascinating movie. Yeah, uh, I I agree with you largely. It's a great film. Um, there there definitely are some very uh, unpleasant associations that creep in, uh, considering the artist in this case uh, a a sexual predator making a movie about sexual violence uh, yeah. does hit a little bit uh, a little bit too close to home. I think um, that being said, it's it's a very effective and well done movie. Honestly, not my favorite Polanski, nor even my favorite of the Apartment Trilogy. I'm more of a Rosemary's Baby type. Um, Still haven't seen it. It's fantastic. Uh, but, you know, there is there is definitely a lot to like here. There's a very strong lead performance. Uh, the style of the movie is great. The cinematography is beautiful. Um, the black and white. Uh, the score is great. Um, honestly, like my, my problems with it largely come from like personal preference of just like wanting more from it at times, which is less the movie's fault and more mine. Uh, but even so, uh, it affects my rating a bit. I'm going to give it a strong four out of five. Uh, so between the three of us that will give repulsion an average of 4.5 out of five uh definitely check it out if you haven't seen it if you can uh stomach it and if you're the type of person to be able to watch a roman polanski movie in 2021 um and if you're not i respect that yes i, yeah, I wouldn't fault that <laughs> forget it jake yeah. Chinatown. Ooh, yeah no kidding yikes um well next week we begin the first of several uh new film episodes that we have coming up we're going to be talking about a uh long anticipated uh film for us it's time for army of the dead the new Zack snyder zombie flick we have talked about this film a lot already mm-hmm. uh and some of the the fun stories that have come out of the production of the movie Weirdly, I must say, having seen the trailers, I'm surprisingly kind of excited for this one. I've been avoiding it. I think this has potential to be Zack Snyder's best film. Granted, that is an immensely low bar. The lowest of Uh, bars. Yeah, even, uh, yeah, the lowest of bars. Uh, So uh, that is, I think by the time this episode goes up, uh, Army of the Dead will already be out on Netflix. It's out today. As we are recording, yes, you're yeah. right. Um, so uh, check out the movie and then come listen to our thoughts on it uh, next week. Cleveland, I know you already did 
one sponsor earlier the in Italian the Italian fuck tour, yeah. But it turns out that we actually... They, they do it better in Italy or whatever the expression it, is. It turns out we actually have <laughs> another sponsor courtesy of the sponsor shelf. Oh, shit, we're doing that now! So, oh, so we're, we're doing a new thing that I guess we can't say what it is because it ruins the bit. Uh, yeah, you're taking it off the sponsor shelf. Yeah, I you're am. taking it off the sponsor shelf. Who's sponsored <laughs> by this week? This is amazing. I love this new edition. Uh, this new uh, uh, weird uh, a branchy arm that the sponsor shelf has grown. Uh, I, I, I pull, I pull this off the shelf. Um, thank you for handing me this off the shelf, Matisse. You're welcome. Um, uh, and the paper says this episode is brought to you by Spaghetti Tuesday. You looking for spaghetti on a Tuesday? You've got it, folks. But only on Tuesdays. Come on down to Spaghetti Tuesday. It's like Ruby Tuesday, but spaghettier. <laughs> there you are, sir. All right. Well. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you like the show, hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review, just a couple of words. We really appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. And we have some very exciting news. We have launched a Patreon. We did it. We did it. As of the moment, we are not gating any of our content behind a paywall. So if... Uh, have no fear, listeners. Have no fear. You'll still get every episode if you don't subscribe to the Patreon. But we thought it would be nice for uh, folks who might like to support the boys. Um, you can... Uh, support the boys. Visit patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Uh, and become a monthly contributor. I think we've got three tiers right now um, that have uh, some different rewards. We've got a, a $3 tier for folks who just want to support the show. We've got a $5 tier. If you uh, subscribe to that one, you will get uh, every episode two days early. They will go up on a Tuesday instead of a Thursday for you. Uh, a Spaghetti and Tuesday. And uh, <laughs> Spaghetti Tuesday, exactly. Uh, and we uh, have a $10 tier, which is the honorary pod boy tier. If you become a $10 donor, not only will you get the episodes uh, two days early, but you'll also get a special shout out on the show. And you will be able to suggest movies for us to review we will be putting together a patrons picks pool uh which we will uh the triple p the triple p the ponty pool which we will start to uh cycle into our uh our own picks so every week how we uh each one of us gets to pick a movie uh once we have some patron picks uh, we will uh, start pulling from that as well. So that link, again, is uh, patreon.com slash podpeoplepod if you want to support the show. And if you, you can't afford it and uh, in, in the rest, no worries. Still getting all the content We're for still free. here. So, uh, but if you do, thank you so much. We love you. Honestly, uh, though, please, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so that is that. You can follow me on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studio as we put out progress on It Stares Back. Find it on Steam. Search It Stares Back. You know the drill. You can also find my work on ArtStation if you search Cleveland Mosier. And uh, sometimes I do art for you if you want it. For me? Maybe. I don't know. You, you paying? 
Yeah. That's how commissions maybe. work. That's true. Yeah. Pay us. <laughs> or pay Cleveland for art. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Next week, it's the Army of the Dead. We will see you then. Until next time, try not to get too handsy, if you know what I mean. Samori. Bells will ring, tingling, tingling, and the bell ring, moray. Back in old Napoli, that's a more